Oh man, it is it is way too early. Casey, are you here? I am here only because I have coffee. Oh, okay. All right. <clears throat> well, today we're going to be going over some more Bible shit. Um, first off, we're going to be discovering, or not discovering, but discussing uh, restitution for loss. <clears throat> and to be quite honest, it's just a, a lot about theft, and they figure out different ways to talk about theft. And uh, then we're going to be going into seduction. <laughs> That's uh, apparently, apparently the only part of seduction is paying for your virgins, so... Um, the virgins that you violate, by the way. Um, remember, women aren't people, they're property. <laughs> Injuries and damages. Open pits, that's where you offend the person by, like, you know, wafting your body odor towards them. That could cause a lot of damage. That's not what that and is. And then for some reason, God's going to talk about des de destruction by fire. I don't know. I mean, he's a pretty big proponent of destroying things by fire, specifically fireballs up the ass. Um, and then we're going to talk about a bunch of like crop damage and a bunch of damage caused by animals and why you should needlessly kill the animals and not eat their meat, which would make an Indian cry. Um, oh, and then the main meat of today's Bible study is the master and servants or slavery. We're going to cover all of the good stuff about slavery, how to beat your slaves and <laughs> shit and 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 you know the different ways in which you have to release your slaves which i'm sure that people didn't preach about during you know slavery um and then we're gonna go a bunch of like accounting stuff like credit contracts weights and inheritance and shit so i i, I don't know that that part doesn't interest me what really interests me is the slavery and the paying for virgins so, so you're just really interested in figuring out how to get slaves? And to, to pay for some virgins. It sounds like you're back in the Confederacy. Oh, am I? Did you pay for virgins in the Confederacy? No, you just took them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, heathens? How y'all doing? Casey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Uh, so today you're going to be teaching us about all of this shit. Remember, yes. the only thing that I really care about is seducing virgins with money and, <laughs> uh, you know, the slavery thing. Because you got to seduce them with money first and then you got to put them through slavery. No, that's not how any of this works. But it's I th okay. I think it's how it works. No. So what we're going to go over today is civil laws that are designed uh, to regulate daily activities fairly yeah. for all the citizens and to instill a sense of order throughout the society. Okay. So they have to have these civil laws like we do now, right, mm -hmm. um, to help regulate society. Okay. Okay. So today we're going to start off with restitution for loss. So that may sound like a really fancy word um, or like phrase of how basically any kind of lost property and how to restore you to your, you know, original ownership, I guess. Right. All right. Yeah. From what I gather in our, our pre-show meeting, it's just a lot about theft. Well, there is some. So the, fir the first section, this, this section covers stuff that's in Numbers and Exodus, uh, Numbers chapter 5 and Exodus chapter 22. Um, but the first part is wrongful taking, which it is theft. <laughs> that's just a weird way to put theft. Can you imagine yes. char charging somebody now with wrongful taking? <laughs> I don't know. Laws have really fancy, like, there's a lot of fancy jargon yeah. in, in legal 
You are being charged with wrongful taking, sir. Isn't that theft? Yes, that's theft, but it's wrongful taking if you want to be specific about it. Okay, so the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, when a man or woman wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord, that person is guilty and must confess the sin he has committed. He must make full restitution for his wrong, add one fifth to it and give it all to the person he has wronged. But if that person has no close relative to whom restitution can be made for the wrong, the restitution belongs to the Lord and must be given to the priest, along with the ram, which atonement is made for him. All the sacred contributions the Israelites bring to a priest will belong to him. Each man's sacred gifts are his own, but what he gives to the priest will belong to the priest. So it it also, which we kind of already talked about, has the whole idea of not just paying back what you initially took or what you owe, but paying damages also, right? right. Like punitive damages comes from this right yeah so that's the first part the next part this is in exodus disputed lost property so in cases of illegal possession of an ox a donkey a sheep a garment or any other lost property about which somebody says this is mine both parties are to bring their cases before the judges the one whom the judges declare guilty must pay back double to his neighbor does this include women because they are property now it doesn't say anything about women in this section but probably <laughs> um, so the next two sections are about baileys of money, goods, or animals. So if a man gives his neighbor silver or goods for safekeeping and they are stolen from the neighbor's house, the thief, if he is caught, must pay back double. But if the thief is not found, the owner of the house must appear before the judges to determine whether he has laid hands on the other man's property. How, how are you to determine that? Like, I, I don't, don't know. Like, are there, are, could there be like three witnesses around like, yeah, I saw him touch that shit. He should have to pay that other guy. I mean. Yeah. So basically you, if you give somebody something of yours to hang on to. Mm-hmm. And it gets stolen. The person, the thief is obviously responsible, but if they can't find the thief, then it's up to the judges to determine whether or not the owner of the house is responsible. Okay. Because they didn't safeguard the, the other person's things well enough, I suppose. But to be fair, if you wanted it to be safeguarded and you should have kept it in your own hands right and i think that this is a pretty good point where it deviates from like anything in modern society like obviously if uh like the whole punitive damages thing that we just talked about is is something is a concept that we have now but i mean this the this one right here i mean i don't think that we would really blame somebody else for losing property well that you gave them i mean you well, might yeah. not i mean if it was something super important and you were like please be careful with this like um then and they lost it you might be upset because you expected them to take care of it you know depending on what it was well like, yeah well i'm talking about like legal ramifications of it oh yeah yeah Cause i don't think that you could bring i don't know you, you could bring a civil suit for anything yeah you could do a civil suit for anything but i don't think I, like this is like about criminal charges well these are civil laws oh they are yeah, we started out by talking about that. Okay. I mean, they. I don't. I don't know that the Jews. I would have to look this up. I don't know that they had a separation of criminal and civil like we do now. Um, so I think they were kind of the same. But these laws are considered civil laws. 
Okay. That doesn't mean they're not charged criminally. Like I said, I don't know that they have a separation of that. Okay. Um, okay, so Bailey of Animals, if a man keeps, uh, sorry, if a man gives a donkey, an ox, or a sheep to any other animal to his neighbor for safekeeping and it dies or is injured or is taken away while no one is looking, the issue between them will be settled by the taking of an oath before the Lord that the neighbor did not lay uh, his hands on the other person's property. The owner is to accept this and no restitution is required. But if the animal was stolen from the neighbor, he must make restitution to the owner. If it was torn to pieces by a wild animal, he shall bring the remains as evidence and he will not be required to pay for the torn animal. Okay. Could you imagine collecting that? <laughs> That'd be gross. Um, okay, so the last section in restitution for a loss is borrower's responsibility. If a man borrows an animal from his neighbor and it is injured or died while the owner is not present, he must make restitution. But if the owner is with the animal, the borrower will not have to pay. If the animal was hired, the money paid for the hire covers the loss. I feel like these are things that like happened in their society, like one-off kind of deals that happen. Like, okay, we have to make a rule about this so we know what to do next time. It's kind of like precedent. Right. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like no wearing shorts on Thursdays. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting is that if the way that they're presenting it is God said to Moses, this is how it's going to be. Right. But these are very specific things that would have happened in society that they would like. They were like, we need to have a rule for this. So it's a standard operating procedure for everything like this. And so it's clear that that's how society works now. That's how society worked back then. These words did not come from God. God is not concerned about somebody's fucking ox. No, and I mean, there were other societies around in the region that obviously, um, you know, had had these kind of concepts mm -hmm. in them. So, I mean, the Jews weren't the originators of, of any of this shit. Right, right. So, um, but I, I do, I do, um, I do kind of like how, you know, God goes through all of this detail about their society and, and everything, uh, supposedly. But yet, like, God can't impart on them, like, actual, any any kind of actual scientific knowledge that a lot of people claim. Because, like, a lot of people, like, pull out these, like, Miss Cleo kind of verses. And it's like, see, they predicted cell phones. No, no, motherfucker, they didn't. Okay? <laughs> they didn't. That That is such a vague statement that you seem to pull out of the ass of the Bible. Yeah, so they're they're not predicting anything. They're just trying to make society run smoothly, just like any other society at the time or before them or since. They're just trying to make laws that apply to the current culture and society that they live in and their needs. That's all. That's what they're mm -hmm. trying to do, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. The point is uh, no higher being cared about any of these things so next seduction okay so there is an economic aspect to cases of seduction and i think it's weird that they call it seduction because it's more like violation or what we would like to call today rape um and they only talk about one thing so in exodus chapter 22 if a man seduces a virgin who is not pledged to be married and sleeps with her he must pay the bride price and she shall be his wife if her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he must still pay the bride price for virgins. So it says if he seduces her, who is 
who's not pledged to be married and sleeps with her. I don't know if that would be her choice or if it matters if it's her choice or not. I'm not really sure. Well, a lot of Christians like to paint it as like, well, no, the Bible doesn't say that he has, like the the rapist or whatnot has to marry the the girl or whatever. Um, Which I know it's talking about seduction at this point, but in in certain versions, it's it's rape. Like you, you rape a virgin or whatnot has to marry the rapist. Um, so, uh, I think that Christians mainly will paint this as like, it's up to the father. And if, and if the girl doesn't want to marry the guy, then the father says no, but that's not the case. I mean, it's the, the, the father has the power in it. Of course he can say no, but, um, you know, it's the fact that it's not the decision of the girl, regardless of what the father decides the girl should be the one that decides whether or not she marries a guy, not the father. Well, it's unlikely that the the father would have said no um, to the woman being married off to him because, I mean, he gets the bride price either way. Right. But if he keeps her, then he's responsible for her, and he can't sell her to anybody else because she's not a virgin anymore. <laughs> sell her. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> I know bride that... price. They're selling their kid. They're selling their daughters. I know. I know. I mean, it's also the concept of later on, which isn't seen as savage, I guess, as bride price is um, the dowries. Right. Which I have to love the fact that we're we're just a couple of atheists here. And we've and I mean, obviously, in the Bible, we've already had better morality than this God. But at this point right here, I mean, we have better moral, just general sense. Yeah. Than than this so-called all knowing deity. Yeah. So anyway, that's the only thing that is discussed about seduction as far as law goes. All right. <clears throat> so next up, we're going to talk about injuries and damages. Now, open pits does not mean armpits. I'm sorry, what? GE. No. No. What? L- listen, <clears throat> my armpits are a weapon. Okay. I mean, so I just... could kill you. Don't make me lift my arm. You just have to shower and put deodorant on. It's really not that big a thing. <laughs> like it's early. Yeah, you're right. It's early, and we haven't showered yet. But like, you're. It's not like you run around stinking. My my own my own lawyers want me to tell you that I do take a bath every single day. <laughs> I do not run around without a bath. <laughs> okay, so if a man uncovers a pit or digs one and fails to cover it and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit must pay for the loss. He must pay its owner and the dead animal will be his. <laughs> can, can you just imagine? It's like, hey, hey there, Jebediah. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just digging a hole. Or a pit, whichever one you want to say. Okay, we'll make sure no oxen fall in that. I'm out in the fucking middle of nowhere. Where's an oxen? And then as he's talking, an ox falls in. Just random ox out of nowhere falls in. He's like, God damn it, I can't dig a hole in peace. Well, the thing that's interesting to me is that it's oddly specific. Like, it's not like if you have a pit on your property and something, an animal, or someone falls in it and gets injured, you're a responsible party. It doesn't say that. If you have an open pit on your property and you don't cover it and an ox or a donkey falls into it, then you're responsible for the loss. What if something else falls into it? Mm, What if a person? person falls into it? Like, just this is oddly specific and well, weird. Then you point at them and laugh for falling into a very obvious hole in the ground. Sometimes they're not obvious. You well, don't know. It's not like they had cell phones to distract them from where they were walking. 
Well, that's true. <laughs> okay, next up, destruction by fire. And just so everybody knows, the, these are in Exodus 21 and 22. And then um, the last one we're going to go over is in Deuteronomy 22. So destruction by fire. If a fire breaks out and is spread into the thorn bushes so that it burns shocks of grain or standing grain or the whole field, the one who started the fire must make restitution. Oh, Okay. Good luck finding that person that's going to own up to that shit. Who started this fire? Oh, I did. <laughs> Who didn't stop it from going into the thorn bushes? Like, what? That's just a weird, again, oddly specific. Um, crop damage by animals. If a man grazes his livestock in a field or vineyard and lets them stray and they graze in another man's field, he must make restitution from the best of his own field or vineyard. That seems like a reasonable thing that would have happened in this kind of society. Yeah. And I, I understand having a law for it, but I don't understand why God, the omnipotent motherfucker in the sky, has to be the one to dictate this. Yeah, he would have been like, hey, hey, your ox ate like a tomato from that guy's garden. Go give him the your best tomato. Like, that would not be a thing. Give him a shekel. Okay, so now we're going to talk about ox goring, okay? Um and is basically like attacking, like a, an ox attacking someone. Um, you know how they do their paws. Okay. Um, so if a bull gores a man or woman to death, the bull must be stoned to death and its meat must not be eaten. Is there not a better way to kill a bull? Like, do you have to just get the entire town to surround the bull and like throw rocks at it? Well, so here's the other thing. When you start throwing rocks at a bull, like if it's surrounded by people, it's going to kill more people. Yeah. Like, it's not just going to stand there and let you fucking throw rocks at it. Like, oh, shit, it killed another one. Stone it harder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you could, like, tie it up and, like, stake it on the in the ground so it can't get out. But, like, bulls are really strong. So you're going to have a tough time keeping this fucker contained while you stone it to death. That just seems stupid. Well, yeah, and you can't eat the meat? No, or... you can't. We haven't gotten it. Oh, okay. Um... And the meat must not be eaten. But the owner of the bull will not be held responsible. Uh, that just seems like a waste. I mean, you're stone. I mean, you're stoning the bull, which means that it's pulverized now and it's got that real tender meat. And it would be, it would taste good on uh, like some some steaks or something. Yeah, you'd basically tenderize it and then not be allowed to eat it. That doesn't make any sense at all. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yes. Okay, so now we have known dangerous propensities. And this, this continues on with the bull example. If, however, the bull has had a habit of goring and the owner has been warned but has not kept it penned up and it kills a man or a woman. So this is like if if the bull has hurt people before but not actually killed them, okay? The bull must be, after it does finally kill someone, the bull must be stoned to death and the owner must also be put to death. However, if payment is demanded of him, he may redeem his life by paying whatever is demanded. This law also applies if the bull gores a son or daughter. If the bull gores a male or female slave, the owner must pay 30 shekels of silver to the master of the slave and the bull must be stoned. So the owner is not required to die if it's for a slave. He just has to pay the shekels, right? But if it's a regular person that's not a slave, then, you know, like a like an actual human being, 
then then (laughs) that was sarcasm in case anybody didn't catch it I feel the need to say that because you know people today I feel like somebody could come and pull that clip and be like see she thinks slaves aren't humans you know what I mean (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm sure they will so um if it's a slave then you don't have to be killed but either way you can it well not either way but if you if if he kills a regular person then you can still make restitution you don't necessarily have to die but it would be up to the family of the person who got killed whether or not they will accept your money for your life okay um, so ox goring animals. So if a man's bull injures the bull of another and it dies, they are to sell the live one and divide both the money and the dead animal equally. However, if it was known that the bull had a habit of goring and the owner did not keep it penned up, the owner must pay animal for animal and the dead animal will be his. So again, weirdly specific here about ox goring this must have been a huge problem back then i mean i know if i was an ox i'd be pissed off (laughs) okay uh killing animals anyone who takes the life of someone else's animal must make restitution life for life so i don't know if that means they have to kill one of their own animals or if that means they have to die that is very vague, and I mean, can you imagine? It's like, oh, what did Phil die for? Oh, well, I mean, he killed that ox over there, so he had to die. Yeah. <laughs> he he killed he killed Jimmy's ox, so we killed him. Yeah. Fuck fuck that Phil guy. Yeah. Um. Okay. So prevention of injury. This is in Deuteronomy twenty two. When you build a new house, make a parapet around your roof. So that you may not bring the guilt of bloodshed on your house if someone falls from the roof. So if you just have to make sure that you're make sure about roof safety, people. Roof safety is important and you want to make sure that people don't fall off your roof because then you'll be guilty of bloodshed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to move on to masters and servants? I know this is like what you've been waiting for. Oh, yes, as a, please. As a white Southern person, this would be important information to have. It is. <laughs> I've, I've got to take notes into how to own people. Okay. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, I own people on a daily basis on, on the channel. So, oh, I mean, yeah. Isn't yeah. that called pwn? Poning, owning, it's the same thing. Is it? I don't yeah. even, I hate, first of all, I hate that word, pwn. It's not even a word. I don't even want to give it that. Um, okay. So this what we're going to talk about in this section comes from Leviticus uh, chapter 19 and 25. Also Deuteronomy chapters 24, 15 and uh, 23, and then Exodus chapter 21. Okay. So they talk about slavery. The point here is that in multiple books and in multiple verses, they, talk a lot about slavery and the rules for it okay so it's kind of a big deal um will you look up exodus 21 26 and 27 because it says it but it doesn't have it doesn't have it says release after maiming it doesn't have anything so can you like google exodus 21 26 and 27 while i yeah okay exodus 21 Okay, 21, 26. No, 21, colon, 
26 comma 27. Right, that's what I was saying. And 27. Okay, so the first thing we have to be concerned about, obviously, is prompt payment. Do not take advantage of a hired man who is poor and needy. Whether he is a brother Israelite or an alien living in one of your towns, pay him wages each day before sunset because he is poor and is counting on it. Otherwise, he may cry to the Lord against you and you will be guilty of sin. So this is not really a slavery thing. This is more of a, you know, a hired person. Well, uh, I, I believe those would be indentured servitude, uh, servants. But no, they, this is just somebody you hired to do a job. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. This this section is just somebody you hired to do a job. All right. Okay. So now let's talk about acquiring slaves. Your male and female slaves are to come from nations around you. From them, you may buy slaves. You may also buy some of the temporary residents living among you and members of their clans born in your country, and they will become your property. You can will them to your children as inherited property and can make them slaves for life, but you must not rule over your fellow Israelites ruthlessly. Okay, so you just can't enslave like Bill next door. Right. But if Bill happens to be from some other different fucking clan yeah. that's next door, and he's only, like, living there temporarily, you can definitely go over there and be like, you're mine now, bitch. Well, yeah. Well, you have to buy him from whoever his owner is, if he has an owner. Or buy him from himself. You, you can also do that. But, if someone is poor, they can sell you themselves. They can sell themselves into slavery. Well, I mean, that's what the Israelites did to the Egyptians. Yeah. And then they blamed the Egyptians for enslaving them. Yeah. So I'm guessing Bill would blame him for enslaving him, even though Bill sold his ass to him. Probably. I mean, it was 400 years, so it's not like the – like in, in Egypt it was 400 years. So it's not like the people who were born into slavery had any choice in it. It was the original folk. Well, yeah, but they yeah. didn't blame the original folk. They blamed the Egyptians. Yeah. Well, the – yeah. <laughs> okay, so now here's how to deal with escaped slaves because nobody wants to deal with escaped slaves. They just need to follow the rules, right? If a slave has taken refuge with you, do not hand him over to his master. Let him live among you wherever he likes and in whatever town he chooses, do not oppress him. So this basically says... If someone is a slave from somebody else and comes to you to seek asylum, you actually protect him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a thing called a seven-year release. If a fellow Hebrew, a man or a woman, sells himself to you and serves you six years, in the seventh year, you must let him go free. And when you release him, do not send him away empty-handed. Supply him liberally from your flock your threshing floor and your wine press give to him as the lord your god has blessed you remember that you were slaves in egypt and the lord your god redeemed you that is why i give you this command today but if your servant says i don't i do not want to leave you because he loves you and your family and is well off with you then take an awl and push it through his earlobe into the door and he will become your servant for life do the same for your maid servant if anybody doesn't know an awl a w l is like a it's a tool it's a tool used for piercing so if the servant says i don't want to leave you you have to pierce his ear into a door 
also do that to your maid servants, whether or not they want to stay or not. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how long they have to stay attached to the door by their earlobe, but this seems weird and cruel. Um, do not consider it a hardship to set your servant free because he his service to you these six years has been worth twice as much as that of a hired hand. And the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Release with family. These are the laws you, you are to set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years, but in the seventh he shall go free without paying anything. If he comes alone, he is to go free alone. But if he has a wife when he comes, she is to go with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to her master and only the man shall go free. So if the servant ends up marrying while he's in your um, while he's in servitude to you and has kids, he can leave in the seventh year. But the wife and kids have to stay. Uh, but if the servant declares, I love my wife and my children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl, and then he will be his servant for life. It's kind of like what you do to cattle. You know, you fucking tag them. That's crazy to do this to people, even though they want to stay. Like he's saying he wants to stay. Uh-huh. Of course, how much do you really want to stay in slavery? Like you have a life, you have some place to live, you have food to eat, and you have to work for it. That's kind of like that that indentured servitude idea, except your other option is going free, either alone, well, alone without a family because you don't have one, or alone without your family because you had to, you left them. Um, and you have to then find some place to live and you have to find a job and you have to pay bills and you have to do all this other shit. So really how much of a choice is it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's you really don't have great options. No, you don't. So staying is really the only viable choice, which is mm-hmm. why it is not really a choice. OK. Um, release of women slaves. If a man sells his daughter as a servant, she is not to go free as manservants do. If she does not please the master who has selected her for himself, he must let her be redeemed. He has no right to sell her to foreigners because he has broken faith with her. If he selects her for his son, he must grant her the rights of a daughter. If he marries another woman, he must not deprive the first one of her food, clothing, and marital rights. If he does not provide her with these three things, she is to go free without any payment of money. So, I don't know. Is this like some weird fucked up way of saying take care of the whamans? Sort of. I guess so. Yeah, this is real fucked up. Okay, so the last part of this section is uh, release after maiming. When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. Okay, so here's what's interesting. I actually had to look that up, and here's why. In this book, it has the section, it gives you the book, the chapter, and the verses, and all it says is release after maiming. It has no details about it. 
nothing at all. It just says release after maiming um, in parentheses and doesn't have the verses, which is really weird because the rest of them have verses. So I don't know if they removed it because it talks about beating slaves um, yeah. or if it or if it took it out because it talks about if you hurt your slave, like if you damage their eye or their tooth, then you have to let them go because they didn't want that to be like they needed to. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what the motivation was for not having this verse in here. Um, but I think it's strange. Well, I mean, you would think that they would want to accentuate this verse because it actually talks about how you can hurt your slave and the slave must be let free. Mm-hmm. But also, I would say that this is the reason why, like, you know, slaves are, are beaten with whips and stuff instead of, like, you know, beaten, like, with your fists or whatever. Because, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, if you punch your slave and, like, destroy the eye or whatnot, the slave's not going to be good anymore. I mean, that's the reason <laughs> That's the reason why you let the slave go. I the mean, the slave's he, not going to be good anymore. Well, I mean, they, they lose depth perception. They're just, I mean, they're not going to be usable as, like, a slave. But labor. if you knock their tooth out, it's not really... Well, the tooth thing has to go with, like, eating and whatnot. It's the same, it's along the same lines as, like, looking uh, a horse in the mouth, looking at their teeth. Because, I mean, if you, if you knock their teeth out, there's a pretty good chance that, like, it could get infected or something like that. Plus, they need to be able to eat in order to, like, survive and live so they yeah, can work. Yeah, but plenty of people eat with knocked out teeth. Well, no, uh, true, true. I, I agree, but I think that it's more about not damaging the slave in such a way as to, like... Like the, something that can't heal back. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that when they say tooth, they don't like they don't just mean like oh he lost a tooth. It's like it's a little bit more than that. It's how it's how like damaging a slave to the point that you knock out teeth mm-hmm. could affect like their health or whatnot and ability to be a slave. So okay. I, I don't really I th- agree with that, but okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I I just think that if you if you you know if you shatter their teeth, I mean. It, it's well, like, it just says knocks out the tooth. So if you knock out a tooth, it is not going to impact their ability to eat or do their job. Okay. Unless their job is to, for some reason, tie things around every single one of their teeth. <laughs> like, it's just not going to impact their job. So that's, that's just, I just disagree about that. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, I think it has more to do with permanent damage that can't be fixed or grow back or heal. Okay. Because those two examples are things that can't heal. Okay, so the next section is credit, interest, and collateral. I'm not going to read every single thing about this uh, because it's a, it's a lot. But they do go through charging interest. Um, you're not allowed to charge your brother interest um, on money, food, or anything else that can earn interest. But you can charge a foreigner interest. Okay, so no interest charging to brother Israelites. When they say brother, they do not mean blood brother. They mean Israelites. Uh, well, I mean, are you sure? Because it could be blood, only blood brothers here. I mean, it doesn't mean blood brother. This is one of those examples, like you've talked about, where um, when they talk about Jesus's brother James. Well, obviously, the only way that brother is ever used ever in the Bible is blood brother. So obviously, that's what we're talking about. That is untrue. Deuteronomy chapter twenty-three. <laughs> okay, um, you have to protect the poor. Um, if somebody is needy, don't be like a money lend- lender. You can't charge them interest. Um, if you take their 
cloak as a pledge, like, you know, a, a pledge or collateral. Um, they do have, it's interesting how they have all these setups for things that we still have now because they're good and useful in society, right? So if you take something as collateral, you need to return it back to them. Um, who would take a cloak as collateral? Well, if somebody is poor and that's all they have to give, you still, you, you can take it, but you have to give it back to them by sunset because the cloak is the only thing covering to keep them warm at night. And so you have to give it back. Basically, have compassion. Lend lend to them, and you can take collateral, but have compassion. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, no mill for pledge. Do not take a pair of millstones, not even the upper one, as a security for debt, because that would be taking a man's livelihood. Again, don't take something that they absolutely need as collateral. Um, when you make a loan of any kind to your neighbor, do not go into his house to get what he is offering as a pledge. Stay outside and let the man to whom you are making the loan bring the pledge out to you. It's called ple um, there's also rules on pledging from widows. So, uh, you know, they have lots of rules about lending. Um, at the end of every seven years, you have to cancel all your debts. Um, every creditor shall cancel loan he has made to his fellow Israelite. He shall not require payment from his fellow Israelite or brother because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. You know, what's funny is that we actually still use this in the form of bankruptcy. So when you're bankrupt, your loans, your debts don't get canceled after seven years. But when you declare bankruptcy, bankruptcy falls off your record after seven years. Oh, okay. I didn't know that because I've never considered, you know, filing for bankruptcy. Yeah, I mean, I have never filed for bankruptcy either, but I did get a minor in accounting. So, um, you know, it's one of the things we talk about. So uh, you have to, you can require payment from a foreigner, but again, you have to cancel any debt your brother, Israelite, owes you in seven years. So you can maintain your debt every like you don't have to cancel out a foreigner's debt but as fellow israelites you do um you can lend to other nations but you're not allowed to borrow from any okay you were it says you will rule over many nations but none will rule over you so the israel is israel can lend money to whoever countries they want to but they are not allowed to borrow money from anybody which is interesting because i'm pretty sure that they do um Obligation to poor. If there is a poor man among you um, or your brothers in any of the towns of the land your Lord as God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts, is near, so you do not show ill will towards your needy brother and give him nothing. He may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then, then because of the Lord your God will bless you in all of the work and everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your brothers and towards the poor and, and needy in your land. So take care of your broke people. Which would be interesting because if you really took care of them, you wouldn't have broke people. <laughs> well, also, it's kind of odd how the people that really espouse like belief in the Bible and how the Bible is the pinnacle of like morality and whatnot don't actually listen to this part of the Bible when they want to take away like you know uh, stuff that helps the needy people. 
Yeah, so I think what's interesting is that on a personal level, when it comes to churches and charities, there are far more religious charities than there are secular ones. Part of the reason that there aren't more secular ones is because the non-secular ones already kind of fill that gap. So there's really no need. Um, But charity giving and taking care of your poor in your land from a governmental standpoint, because these are laws, right, from a governmental standpoint, are different things. So, you know, the... The government here in the U.S. recently, well, they're they're working on a budget bill that would basically kick 400, I think it's 400,000 people off of uh, the nutrition assistance program. Yep. And because they would change, they're changing, they're working on changing the criteria um, for allowing people to be on that. And it would also kick million I don't know if it's millions it may be hundreds of thousands of kids off of the school lunch program which provides children really inexpensive school lunches or free school lunches depending on um, economic necessity of the family Um, and so I don't understand the whole idea of being Christian and this these are these are Republicans that are that are working on this bill and so these Republicans are the, you know, they're the holy, they're the God people, right? Mm-hmm. And they do things like this because they think that, I'm not, I'm not really sure what they think. I'm not sure what they think, but they do things like this and then claim to be, you know, Christian. Well, you're, you're taking away people's food. Like, I get it if if you want to take away something, really, I don't, but like, if you want to, if there are luxuries for some reason that apparently poor people are getting that you want to take away, um, I, I don't, whatever, but you're, tr- you're taking away people's food. The other bill that they're working on is completely dismantling the Affordable Care Act, which will essentially prevent people from having certain kinds of or prevent people from having health care. Mm-hmm. Um, it also it also takes away funding from Medicare, um, from Medicaid. You, taking away people's food and health care is not at all what the Bible says that you should do. So if you are a Republican person listening to this and you are also a religious person listening to this, get your head out of your ass and do better. <laughs> well said, Casey. <laughs> so moving on to contracts and agreements. Okay. So if you make an oath, you have to keep it. You can't swear falsely by name and because that profanes the name of your God and because he's Lord. For oh, some that's the reason why you shouldn't do it. Oh, yeah. fuck. I forgot. <laughs> if you make agreements, you should honor them. Um, that's pretty simple. Vow of daughter is this next section. This is number numbers chapter 30. When a young woman still living in her father's house makes a vow to the Lord or obligates herself by a pledge and her father hears about her vow or pledge, but says nothing to her, then her vow and pledge by which she obligated herself will stand. But if her father forbids her when he hears about it, none of her vows or pledges by which she is obligated herself will stand and the Lord will release her because her father has forbidden her. So if she makes any kind of commitment, if her daddy says, no, ma'am, then 
it doesn't happen because she really doesn't have a choice. Like if he says, if, if the father says nothing, then it's fine. And she feels like she made her own choice, but really she didn't. He just said, okay, by not saying anything. So when she makes a decision that he doesn't like and he comes back, then she's released from her oath or commitment by God because her father told her no. So there you go. Yeah, I love the manipulation in the Bible. I mean, it basically teaches you how to manipulate people. Yeah. Um, Same with the vow of the wife, exactly the same as vow of the daughter. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, vow of a widow or divorcee, divorcee um, is binding on her because she's widowed or divorced, right? So right. she's bound. Um, if a husband a husband may confirm or nullify any vow a woman makes or sworn pledge to deny herself because if her husband says nothing about it to her from day to day, he confirms all her vows. Um, he confirms them by saying nothing. We already kind of went over this. Those are regulations concerning relationships between a man and his wife and between a father and his young daughter still living in the house. So there you go. Um, weights and measures. So the dealings, to be honest, so this is this is Leviticus chapter 19. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. I don't know what that has to do with weights and measures, but there you go. Um, also, do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use honest scales and honest weights and an honest EPAF, um, EFA, EFA, whatever that fucking word is, and an honest HIN. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I don't know why that fucking matters. Uh, keep all my decrees and keep my laws and follow them. I am Lord. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, don't like pre-weight your scales and shit. Like, don't add when, – when you calibrate them, don't start them off. <laughs> I, can, I can just see it right now. Well, um, this little grain of, uh, of wheat right here, this weighs 39 whatever the fucks we use, <laughs> not the point one that we normally weigh, so you're going to have to pay the toll, okay? Yeah. So like, how, how in the fuck is this made out of dark matter? Is that what this fucking shit is? What? Like, is it made out of a different material that makes it heavier than it actually is? Oh, I don't know. Sorry, I was met. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, I got confused. Failed, failed joke. I got really confused. Um, then in Deuteronomy chapter 25, they also mention weights. Do not have two differing weights in your bag, one heavy and one light. Do not have two differing measurings in your house, one large and one small. You must have accurate and honest weights and measures so that you may live long in the land your Lord God has given you for the Lord your God detests anyone who does these things and anyone who deals dishonestly. So be fair. Be fair. Don't use one scale uh, or don't use a ruler that that measures precisely for one thing and one that measures short for another or long for another if it if it helps you out. Right. Right. Okay. Um, inheritance. So the right of the firstborn. If a man has two wives and he loves one but not the other and both bear him sons, but the firstborn is the son of the wife he does not love, when he wills his property to his sons, he must not give the rights of the firstborn to the son of the wife he loves in preference to the actual firstborn, the son of the wife he does not love. He must acknowledge the son of his unloved wife as his firstborn by giving him a double share of all he has. That son is the first sign of his father's strength. The right of the firstborn belongs to him. 
So God's okay with multiple wives. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, Leverate marriage. So there's a custom incorporated into the laws of Moses uh, to preserve the right of inheritance. When a man dies childless, his brother is to take the widow as a wife and to father a child in his brother's name. That first child will receive the deceased brother's inheritance, while any other children of the union will inherit through the natural father. The marriage itself receives a more modern name of leverate from the Latin word for husband's brother. Okay, so that's that's uh, Deuteronomy chapter 25. Okay? Okay. Um, if the brother refuses, okay... He shall go to the elders of the town gate and say, my husband's brother, uh, she, sorry, the wife has to go to the, the elders at the town gate. My husband's brother refuses to carry on his brother's name in Israel. He will not fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to me. Then the elders of the town shall summon him and talk to him. If he persists in saying, I do not want to marry her, his brother's widow shall go up to him in the presence of the elders, take off one of his sandals, spit in his face and say... This is what is done to the man who will not build up his brother's family line. That man's line shall be known in Israel as the family of the unsandaled. The family of the <laughs> unsandaled? Yes. So yeah. <laughs> That just seems like such a weird thing. I think it, it's kind of like, you know, public shaming how the Puritans used to do. I think it's kind of like that. Like, it's your responsibility if your brother has a wife and he dies childless. It is your responsibility as a brother to marry her, fuck her, and have your brother's kid, even though it's really your kid. And it's kind of weird and twisted, but it's all about maintaining family line. Right. Well, I mean, didn't didn't God shove a lightning bolt up some dude's ass for not doing this? I'm sure Maybe I, I think this comes later. Probably. Because the I think it may come later because I don't know, or did it happen before? I think it happened before with um uh oh what's what's his fucking name? He had the um he had the multiple sons and one son died and then the other son was supposed to come and impregnate her uh the the wife of the other son mm -hmm. and he didn't he spilled his seed on the ground and then right. God killed him yeah i think that was judah's son i don't one know one of judah's son i think i think that was it one of judah's sons so anyway family of the unsandaled the unsandaled yeah, you take i love that she takes off his shoe and spits him in the spits in his face <laughs> i felt i felt like it was <laughs> I felt like it was going to be like she takes off the shoe and smacks him across the face with a shoe. No, you just take off his sandal for no fucking reason and spit on him. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so this next section is the case of Zelophead's daughters. Now, Zelophead, Zelophead um, only had daughters, no sons. Okay, so this is how to handle that. We, we use one specific case because, of course, it rarely happens, right? Okay, so this is in Numbers chapter 27, and it goes through Numbers chapter 36, but we're just going to hit some highlights. So the daughters of Zelophead, um, they approached the entrance to the tent of the meeting and stood before Moses and the whole assembly and said, Our father died in the desert. He was not among Korah's followers who had banded together. 
against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no son? Give us property among our father's relatives. So they just wanted, they wanted the inheritance, his daughters. So Moses brought their case before the Lord and God said to them, what Zelophead's <laughs> daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and turn their father's inheritance over to them. Say to the Israelites, if a man dies and leaves no son, turn his inheritance over to his daughter. If he has no daughter, give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give it to his father's brothers. If his father had no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan that he may possess it. This is to be a legal requirement for the Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. I would imagine that the girl would have the inheritance until she was married and then it would become her husband's inheritance. Well, so that's the next part. Oh. Yeah, you went right right into it. Okay. So the family if if they're married it becomes a problem, okay? suppose they marry men from other Israelite tribes, then their inheritance will be taken from our ancestral inheritance and added to that of the tribe who the one they married into. Right. And so part of the inheritance allotted to the original clan will be taken away. When the year of Jubilee for the Israelite comes, their inheritance will be added to that of the tribe into which they marry, and their property will be taken from the tribal inheritance to our forefathers. Okay, so the Lord commanded Moses that what the tribe of the descendants uh, are right and that they have to marry into their own clan, their father's clan. So they can't marry. The daughters are not allowed to marry outside of their own clan. I mean, isn't that like cousin fucking? Yes. So no inheritance in Israel is to pass from tribe to tribe. For every Israelite shall keep the tribal land inherited from his forefathers. Every daughter who inherits land in any Israelite tribe must marry someone in her father's tribal clan so that every Israelite will possess the inheritance of his fathers. No inheritance may pass from tribe to tribe for each Israelite tribe is to keep the land he inherits. Oh. Yeah. So the daughters in this, the we try, I tried to stay more general so that you could understand like the whole idea because it's, it's law for everybody, not just this particular instance. But the daughters ended up complying, right? They did as the Lord commanded and married their cousins on their father's side. They married within the clans of the descendants of uh, Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and the inheritance remained in their father's clan and tribe. So, I mean, at what point does, like, downs become, like, a serious issue? Because, I mean, like, marrying cousins all the time and fucking your brother. I mean, at some point, some DNA is going to get a little duplicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a problem. But th- to be fair, you have t- 12 tribes of Israel and... There are over 600,000 men in, Isra- in, the, in Israel, in the nation. So you've got at least as many women, right? Mm, so yeah. like cousins, I mean, you have, 
it, it could be pretty distant because you can also acquire people when they become your, you know what I mean? Like people yeah. have been acquired and you've had kids and you've got mixed breeding, even though you're technically not supposed to mix breed sort of. And it's, it's very complicated, but I guess it depends on how close you're remaining to your father's bloodline. Right. Yeah. So that's all we have for today. I know that was a lot today. Yeah, it was. It was um, nearly an hour. Yeah, so next time we're going to talk about marriage, divorce, and sexual relations. Ooh, my favorite subjects. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about adultery. We're going to talk about prostitution and incest, which is interesting. There is a very large section on incest. Uh, and I mean, didn't we just talk about how these daughters should marry their cousins? And that that is indeed incest. Yes, that is indeed incest. Because I mean, it's I mean, it's not just brother and sister fucking, okay, or parent yeah. parental fucking. Yeah. It's like it's anybody blood relation to you. Well, so this whole section it goes through who you're, who is incesting who, and the penalty for each incest thing like for each level so there are different levels so like your sister your half sister your parent your granddaughter your aunt or uncle and then it goes through the penalties for each different one um so apparently incest is not allowed but cousins don't count <laughs> that ain't incest that's just good old-fashioned family loving yeah, we're going to talk about violation of uncleanness. So, like... <laughs> you know, going from the incest thing to violation of... And I'm so expecting something sexual. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. Violation of uncleanness. It's it's it, basically when you have sex with a woman when she's on her period. Oh, And there is okay. a penalty for that. There is a penalty for Do that. Do lob your dick off because now it's unclean? Well, we're going to talk about it next time. We're, <laughs> there is a section on homosexuality of course a section on and a section on bestiality then there's also um some stuff about separation of the sexes and warnings about sexual sin okay yep sounds awesome yeah it's gonna be great yeah we're gonna next time is gonna be interesting all right well heathens i hope you will join us next time for our next bible study if you haven't checked out our last bible study and you're new to this please do so And I guess we'll see you heathens later. Don't forget to stand up and use your voice. Bye, heathens. Bye, y'all.